0: You are listening to Our Urban Voices with Dr. Alphonse Javet, a podcast that presents Christian narratives through diverse voices that impact urban ministry. Here is your host.
1: In this podcast, we cover everything from churches and church planting efforts, mission and missions organization, evangelism and unreached people groups, emerging movements and initiatives, justice, current events related to faith and the persecutors church to author interviews, and more. Let's get to it. Hello, and welcome back to Our Urban Voices. I'm your host, Dr. Alphonse Javed. Today, I'm joined by Fred Farouk from Global Initiative, Reaching Muslim Peoples. Our topic today focuses on spiritual pilgrimage. Very soon, Muslims from all over the world will travel to Saudi Arabia to complete the Hajj, the pilgrimage to Mecca, one of the five pillars of Islam. Traveling to Mecca for Hajj is a requirement of all physically and financially able Muslims at least once in their lifetime. And by, by the way, Muslims can make the pilgrimage to Mecca at any time, but it is considered a lesser pilgrimage or Umrah in Arabic. Our guest today, Fred Faru, is a Christian from a Muslim background and is also an ordained pastor and missionary with Ilam Fellowship. Before Global Initiative, Fred served as executive director of Jesus for Muslim Network in metro New York area, and I had the privilege to spend some time with him and work with him, and so glad that he's here. He was a special projects officer with SAT-7 in Cyprus. He Completed his PhD in intercultural studies through Assemblies of God Theological Seminary in 2014. And his dissertation focused on Muslim identity. Also, he has written a a couple of books. One of his books is Preparing for Persecution, Lessons from Acts. And the other one is Journey with Jesus, a spiritual pilgrimage through the Psalms of Ascent. We'll look into those things. We'll talk about those things. Uh, But before anything, Fred, welcome. And I have a very clear idea of your ministry, but I want the audience to know. I know your family too, but I think it's important that our audience get to know you a little better personally. So why don't we start by talking about your family? So briefly share with
0: our audience uh, about your family to be with you. And uh, yes, family background is uh, my dad is a medical professional from Iran, and my mom is a Midwestern girl from the state of Missouri. So it's one of those mixed uh, family backgrounds. Uh, my dad came to this country and my he met my mom, uh, my dad being a Muslim. My mother converted to become a Muslim, and uh, all of the children, we were born Muslim. When I was very small, we went back to live in Iran, and then certain situations happened. We came back to uh, New York State, and uh, that's where I was basically raised, attending mosque. And um, I have two brothers and a sister. Um, And uh, going forward, since I've become a Christian, uh, I met my wife at Binghamton University, and we have five children. So uh, that's the family background. Uh, It's uh, kind of a diverse background. Uh, but also an Islamic background. Our kids are all grown now. Two of them are married. We have three sons and two precious daughters. Uh, One of them, uh, our son is studying and working on his doctorate degree in England. Another one um, is a son who got married and his wife is finishing up her professional training in Arizona. And they're going to move back to Florida where they met. And we have two daughters that live in New York. and, And our youngest son, Also, um, is living in Florida. He's a teacher. And um, we're very proud of all of them. Back in earlier days, when we were with Jesus for Muslims, they would often help with all kinds of special events and things like that. that. But now, mostly they're out in in their own. So that's, you know, the trajectory of life.
1: I'm telling you, that's a blessing when you have a family. And I have seen that. I was there and I've seen your children helping you guys. So that was awesome. Then And it's so wonderful to see that uh, they are uh, all out in the, in the world doing uh, what God has called them to do, whether that's uh, ministry related or serving the Lord as they pursue their careers and lives. To start off, can you tell us about your own spiritual journey from a Muslim background to Christ and becoming a missionary?
0: Yes. As you know, I was raised Muslim. And uh, we used to attend the mosque and learn our prayers in Arabic to hope that, you know, and when this life was over, we would have a lot of accumulate, a lot of good deeds for the Yom or the Day of Judgment. And when I became a college student, like many young people, I went through a period of searching and I started reading a lot of material books and so forth. It was a time really before the internet was uh, well known. And I just so happened to get a copy of the Bible. And, you know, I thought, well, most of these figures in the Bible as Muslims, we knew about Abraham, Noah, Lot, Solomon, et cetera, uh, and, and Jesus. And but two things struck out to me. One was when I got to the in the Old Testament, God spoke directly to people like Abraham, which as Muslims we didn't know about or, or really believe that God spoke personally to people. And secondly, when I got to the New Testament, I thought, well, Jesus will be like other prophets, as we learned in Islam. He'll say, be a good person, Mm -hmm. do good works, and prepare Mm -hmm. for the day of judgment. But when I read the Gospel of John, I was stunned because Jesus was talking about being born again. He was talking about having your sins forgiven, having a new nature. If the sun sets you free, you'll be free indeed. And the long story short is over about six months of reading the Bible, looking at the New Testament, I became more and more to fall in, ge- lo- fall in love with Jesus Christ as Lord. I fell in love with Jesus as Lord, and I gave my life to him. And as a young Christian, one time I was reading Genesis uh, chapter three, and there's a verse, uh, not too many people can say that God gave them a call in their life out of Genesis three, uh, because that's where the fall of Adam and Eve happened and the temptation in the garden, with Satan and all that. But in Genesis three twenty three. God sends Adam out of the garden to cultivate the ground from Mm -hmm. which he had been taken. And the Lord spoke to me saying, Fred, I've taken you from the Muslim ground. You need to cultivate that ground. Uh, And so I felt that was the call of God. And my wife also has embraced that call to minister to Muslim people. And we're so thankful in these last 35 to 38 years, how much God has done among Muslim people Uh, through the work of many, many, many workers in many different countries.
1: Amen. Amen. So now let's go back to the topic that we're trying to tackle here. Some of our listeners may be familiar with Ramadan, but not uh, Hajj. Can you explain more about what the Hajj is and its uh, significance for Muslims?
0: Yes. So the Hajj, uh, as you had mentioned earlier, it's one of the pillars of Islam. And it always falls in what's called Dual hijjah the 12th Islamic month. And that's uh, the month of the Hajj. Uh, This year, it falls in July. And um, basically, Muslims, and I was raised Muslim, as I mentioned, becoming a Christian in Binghamton back in 1983 through reading the Bible. But uh, for Muslims, there's like two main holidays. One is at the end of the Ramadan fast called Eid al-Fitr. And the other one is Eid al Adha, the feast of the sacrifice that happens during the Hajj. So, uh, in Islam, basically, there's a for Christian listeners, they would be familiar with the idea of salvation by works. And in Islam, you have to believe certain things and do other things. And one of the things you have to do, if you're financially and physically able, is once during your lifetime make the pilgrimage to Mecca called the Hajj. So in that Islamic system of salvation by works, they have um, two of the pillars of Islam, the Ramadan fasting and the, uh, the pilgrimage to Mecca. They're part of that system where Muslims should do good works. And the uh, for the pilgrimage, it falls in the month of the Hijjah, which is the 12th Islamic month. And Just for a comparison, um, for Christians, the two big holidays are basically uh, Christmas and Easter. We have other ones, but those are the two probably most known. Those are always in the same season. Winter is always Christmas, Christmas is winter, and uh, Easter is in the spring. And both of those uh, holidays celebrate something God has done. In Christmas, Jesus came into the world, and in Easter, or celebration of resurrection, Jesus has risen from the dead. The two big Islamic holidays kind of celebrate what people are doing. And if the Ramadan fast, there's a celebration or a holiday. And also the Eid al-Adha is during the uh, celebration during the Hajj. And it commemorates the sacrifice of Abraham. So the Muslims celebrate by sacrificing an animal. And as I uh, want to make sure people know that the Islamic um, Lunar year is only 354 days. It's not 365 days, and for this reason, the Muslim holidays and the months move up 11 days every year. So this year Ramadan completely coincided with April, uh, but next year it'll start on approximately March 20th, and the next year it'll start on about March 9th, and so on. So this year Ramadan was in April, and the Hajj is in early July. So it's coming up very soon
1: thank you so much for explaining that why it changes and why our holidays remain but let me also add another component to it Um, and the question has to deal with the why muslims uh, go to hajj so though many christians do travel to israel we are not required to go on a pilgrimage in the same way however jews in the bible were instructed to journey to the temple in jerusalem three times a year which you talk about in your book, Journey with Jesus. So what was the significance of this pilgrimage to Jerusalem and of the Psalms that accompanied?
0: Right. So the uh, the requirements that were given to the Old Testament worshipers were to come to the temple in Jerusalem three times a year for the, uh, the three feasts. One was Passover, and then one was Pentecost, and then in the fall, there was the feast of tabernacles or booths, um, or it's also called Sukkot. So these are still uh, practiced by Jewish people. They're celebrated. And as Christians, we, we know Passover coincides with the, the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. And Pentecost, we also celebrate. Um, and so in those Old Testament times, the, the people would go up to Jerusalem, which was always uphill, from pretty much any, any direction to go to Jerusalem was uphill. And it was uh, the tradition was that those worshipers, they would kind of form, they wouldn't get like a, you know, a Flix bus or, you know, New Jersey transit or something. They would walk to the, the, the temple and they would mm-hmm. form these little traveling bands. And as they would walk uphill, they would sing psalms. And so this certain section of psalms, psalms 120 mm-hmm. through 134, it's 15 psalms. They were known as the Psalms of Ascent. So they would be going up and they would sing these songs and as they would make their pilgrimage. And as you mentioned, you know, in Islam, there's the pilgrimage to Mecca uh, for Hajj or lesser pilgrimage, Umrah. And there are all kinds of pilgrimages for Shiites or Sunnis. They may go to Karbala in Iraq or Meshed in Iran, etc. But the big one is the Hajj to Mecca. As Christians, we kind of think of ourselves as a spiritual pilgrimage. It's usually for Protestants, it's not that much of an emphasis or certainly a commandment that you have to go to a certain physical location. But so we think of spiritual pilgrimage. Sometimes people do make a a kind of a pilgrimage to a location for inspiration or spiritual refreshment, but it's not uh, exactly the same as in the Old Testament times.
1: I'm listening to you and I'm thinking that, you know, it's so wonderful, uh, some of our folks uh, when they are hearing uh, your talk is giving them new understanding of Psalms because on the top when it says Psalm of Ascend so now they understand why so so love it man thank you thank you so much let's move to the next question you dedicated journey with Jesus to the believers in Christ from Muslim background who have set out on spiritual as you said a spiritual pilgrimage with the with the Lord Jesus. What is it about the spiritual needs of Muslim background believers that made you want to write this book and dedicate it to them?
0: Well, it's exciting uh, that we're living in times where more Muslims are coming to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ than was previously the case. So these are many people are praying, many people are witnessing for Jesus. Uh, and this is a very encouraging time. One of the things that has come to the forefront, uh, Pastor Alphonse, is that there has been identified one of the big needs is discipleship of these new believers in Christ from Muslim background. And many Christians of many countries and in many times have been inspired by the Psalms. Many people, for example, they would read a psalm a day or they would spend time in the Psalms. My wife is a real big fan of the Psalms and, uh, you know, many are. And it was interesting. One time I was reading in Psalm 120, which is the f- first Psalm of a sense of these 15, the Psalmist is talking about dwelling in the tents of Kedar and mm-hmm. he wants peace. But as he speaks, the others are for war. And mm-hmm. it's interesting that Ishmael, who is considered, you know, obviously one of the sons of Abraham, not the son of promise, who was Isaac, but that one of Ishmael's sons was named Kedar, the second son. And Muslims mm-hmm. uh, universally hold that Kedar is the th- great, 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 you know, antecedent or grandfather of Muhammad, the prophet of Islam. Wow. And it's so this struck my attention. I said, you know, uh, Psalm 120 talks about starting in the dents of Kedar, which are tents of war. And for those of us from Muslim background, we kind of started in those tents and we start on this spiritual journey. (laughs) And so I started really reading that section of Psalms over and over and over. And I said, you know, there are so many New Testament applications. There are so many discipleship applications that I thought maybe a little devotional for Muslim background Christians would Mm -hmm. be helpful.
1: Yeah, that's seriously, this is beautiful. Mm -hmm. And the connections you are making and uh, discovering So thank you for your labor of love to invest in those deep studies. Mm -hmm. What are some of the unique spiritual struggles the Muslim background believers have to work through after becoming a believer? And do you see a way that the local congregation could be more supportive of those needs?
0: Yes. So um, for the first question, uh, unique spiritual struggles the one of the things that happens is uh, in general, many Muslim background believers are dealing with fear, uh, fear of family disapproval, community disapproval. And then if they come out and they testify of their faith in Jesus, then they often face some form of rejection. The, you know, worst case scenario, they may be killed for their faith. Maybe I shouldn't say worst case scenario, but the most extreme type of persecution could be that martyrdom, uh, but most it's not that common in the whole scope of the, of the world. And, and for those in uh, Metro New York or other urban areas in the West, it wouldn't be that common. But in general, many Muslim background believers uh, are facing a lot of insecurities And I noticed in this, in these Psalms, uh, they, you know, there were themes that pick up like forgiveness of sins, grace, worship, overcoming persecution, Mm -hmm. thankfulness, humility, overcoming shame, which is a big one, Mm -hmm. family, life, children, and unity of believers. They were all themes that come in these Psalms 120 through 134, even though the Psalms there, of course, they don't speak of Jesus. And, you know, because that's before the New Testament, but these themes come up. So we can apply them. And to your second question, uh, the local congregation, uh, there is um, a Turkish background, uh, Muslim background believer named Zia Moral, who wrote a a short booklet called No Place to Call Home. And he he spoke about the apostates from Islam. Many are rejected or struggle to maintain healthy Mm -hmm. relationships with their family and community. In many cases, they're kicked out, just outright Mm -hmm. kicked out, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe not so much in the West. It wasn't my situation, but many have that, as you will know very well. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then sometimes the churches are a little lukewarm about receiving people from Muslim background into the church. Maybe they're afraid they're imposters Mm -hmm. or they're there for some ulterior motive or they had a bad experience with an MBB in the past. So uh, then the MBBs are stuck in a bit of limbo having not find acceptance in the mosque or the Islamic context, but then struggling to find our place in the church and in the kingdom of God. So actually, when I wrote this booklet last year, many Christians who are in outreach to Muslims were reading it and they were saying, you know, this is really encouraging us because we want to minister to MBBs Mm. and this is helping us understand what are MBBs? in their Mm -hmm. spiritual journey going through Mm -hmm. and we can be more sensitive to those struggles because as you will very well know from your place uh, that you've come from, Mm -hmm. many of our cultures, people don't talk about their issues, their problems, Mm -hmm. their struggles, they try to hide them. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, but still the the rejection, the fears are there, insecurities, and this uh, makes body life in the fellowship of Christ difficult. And so, Themes that we bring forth from Psalms can help the MBBs and help the the local congregations too.
1: I'm very happy to hear the feedback from people reading the book. I, I'm sure you may have experienced that too in your college years, because I have. Even though I'm Pakistani Christian, still, when you are hanging out and you go to a church, even in my church, that same happened with me. And where a person uh, walked in in thinking that I'm Muslim uh, pretending to be Christian Mm -hmm. and uh, that kind of like, I was like, are you serious, man? So Mm -hmm. I I completely get it. I know that you've been involved in uh, evangelization and uh, reaching Muslim communities for so long. And now you are in this international ministry, international uh, context you have right now. So what are some global trends in missions to Muslims?
0: something is very encouraging. Muslim countries still tend to be at the top of the list of persecuting uh, of Christians. Uh, Open Doors is a ministry that publishes Mm -hmm. a a prayer list called the Persecution Watch List. And there's usually like seven of the top 10 or 35 of the top 50 are Muslim countries. But uh, another prayer ministry called Operation World uh, a few years ago, they put a list out of which countries is the evangelical church growing the fastest? And it was very interesting that seven out of the top 10 uh, evangelical growth rate countries were Muslim countries, including Iran, at that time, Afghanistan, and others in many of the countries. The church is also growing quickly. Uh, Iran is thought to perhaps, because the numbers are hard to count in Iran, but it's thought that perhaps Iran has the fastest growing church in the world by percentage, because mm-hmm. many Muslims are coming to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And uh, what we see is that this global movement toward Sharia law, toward Islamization, toward Islamic uh, theocracy in mm-hmm. countries like, uh, like Iran, Afghanistan, even in Southeast Asia, now there's a movement toward it in Turkey, Of course, the Arab world, the the Wahhabi movement, Salafist movement, uh, this tends to cause a subset of Muslims to become disillusioned with the more tolerant or traditional versions of Islam that they may have known. And because they become disillusioned with Islam, they become more open to the gospel. So uh, we're seeing Muslims, both the disillusioned ones, some of the former terrorists like Apostle Paul kind of was becoming Christians, it's just the grace of God in action. And really, these are days of harvest. Uh, and, uh, you mm-hmm. know, in a, in a metro New York urban melting pot place, uh, sometimes people get confused. They see a person and they think, oh, that's a darker person. They Maybe they're a terrorist or something. But mm-hmm. really, mm-hmm. people shouldn't make those stereotypes or jump to those conclusions because these are really days of harvest for the gospel among Muslim people. And so there is a need to, to do continual outreach, mm-hmm. preaching, friendship, evangelism, hospitality.
1: Mm-hmm. Agree, brother. I agree. Um, you already uh, have given us a couple of resources, even in your conversation one, your book is there, and mm-hmm. people can pray for Muslims through this devotional and your books. Other than that, or if that's something you want to reemphasize, what are some ways Christian can pray?
0: Yes, we've just passed Ramadan, and there are several ministries that do a Ramadan 30-day prayer focus. They they can find those online. Uh, Our ministry that we're a part of, Global Initiative Reaching Muslim People, has um, a a ministry called Juma Prayer Fellowship. Juma meaning Friday, J-U-M-A-A prayer fellowship, there's an app that gives you three prayer requests on Fridays. Um, and that's prayer for the Muslim world. And I would say in general, you know, people from Muslim background needing a lot of prayer, a lot of encouragement, and many are a little discouraged because of rejection and kind of a little bit falling between the cracks between the mosque and the church. Mm-hmm. So prayer, uh, encouragement and, and, uh, you know, a spirit of, um, discipleship would be fantastic.
1: Amen. So as we close this conversation, is there anything else you like to add to this conversation?
0: Uh, You know, I just like to thank as a Muslim background Christian, I'd like to thank all of the people who have been praying for Muslims Mm -hmm. and who have been doing outreach and sharing the gospel with Muslim, because oftentimes, you know, when, when you share, start sharing with a Muslim about Jesus, the Muslims try to preach to you and mm-hmm. uh, or they reject or or be contrary. And it can be a little bit of a thankless ministry. It can mm-hmm. also be a lot of fun too, but uh, you know, it takes a lot of patience. And if, mm-hmm. if, if you easily get annoyed, uh, then it's not an, not a ministry that you'll likely stick with any mm-hmm. length of time. So I want to encourage them in their ministry.
1: Thank you, brother. Thank you. Um, Fred, if listeners wants to get in touch with you or find your, book, what are the easiest ways?
0: This book, but we have a free PDF download in English, Arabic, Spanish, and French uh, at our website, reachingmuslimpeoples.com. And uh, they have also on Amazon the hard copies of that book, as well as my other book on Acts, Prepare for Persecution, Lessons from Acts. So they can get it Mm -hmm. on Amazon. But this book on the spiritual pilgrimage, it's a free PDF And you can, you know, just download it to your phone or your computer. And uh, in our website, reachingmuslimpeoples.com, they can send a message to the ministry if they want additional copies, uh, quantities, bulk booklets. Uh, We can organize that and they can reach me through there as well.
1: That's awesome. We will make sure that's also included in the episode description. Mm -hmm. And for the last thing, because we talk about heavy topics, I'd like to ask you to tell a joke to, to our listeners.
0: And me, so just to lighten the mood. Okay, so we we've been talking about cross cultural ministry, and right, that is that is the one thing. Uh, I'm living upstate New York, and we have cross cultural ministry, but there is no place in the world like Metro <laughs> New York. If you like yeah. cross cultural ministry, it's like going to a smorgasbord—just people from mm-hmm. every country. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think of a funny incident. It, it's it's something that I learned from and. When I was a young Christian, my wife and I, were, we were married and we just had a, a little daughter. She was about one and a half and she had long, beautiful hair, still has the hair, but she's older now. <laughs> and we were part of a college ministry and the college ministry director, we were visiting a church in Oswego, New York, upstate New York, and he was supposed to give a five minute missions update, five minute ministry report. And Mm -hmm. so we entered the church, my wife and I, our daughter, we were holding her and and this brother was nicely dressed in a nice gray matching suit. And we were sitting in the back pew and the pastor calls him up and he says, Pastor Dave, please come forward and give your ministry report. Mm -hmm. Now, Pastor Dave, he used to attend the church, so they knew him very well. And somehow to my horror uh, this Pastor Dave was tall, but he was almost bald. He didn't have too much hair. He had some hair, but not, uh, I shouldn't say almost bald, but little bit of hair. Well, somehow this very long comb, about 16 inches long or longer that we had for our daughter, it somehow fell out of the diaper bag and it snagged on the back of our colleague oh. Pastor Dave's suit. <laughs> so when, they say, when the pastor said, Pastor Dave, please come forward and give your ministry report, he jumped out of his pew because he was so focused on his assignment. And I looked down and the pink comb was hanging down from his gray suit coat in the back, caught on that thread there. And I, I, I whispered, I kind of shout whispered. I said, Pastor Dave, like that, but he didn't hear me. He was so focused. And, and what happened is he was kind of walking really fast and the pink comb was swinging back and forth from his backside, <laughs> like a horse's tail. And as he passed every pew, the whole pew burst out laughing. And by the time he got to the front of the church, the whole church was laughing. And I said in the back of my face was red and I was ashamed and embarrassed. And the pastor reached behind him. He took off this long pink comb. Mm-hmm. He held it up to Dave's head, who, Pastor Dave, who didn't have that much hair. The pastor asked incredulously, is this yours? And, uh, and Pastor Dave took it, put it in his pocket. He didn't even bat an eye. He gave his ministry report perfectly. He came back to the back pew and I was still blushed red. <laughs> and, uh, and I whispered to him, I said, Pastor Dave, I'm so sorry. It wasn't a prank. I don't know how this happened. It was just an accident. I kind of whispered, you know, at church, oh, you don't man. want to inter- inter- oh, interfere. Man. And he said, you know what, Fred, don't worry about it. I was thinking before I'm supposed to give my ministry report, I should have a little joke, a little teaser, a little icebreaker, right? You know, people right. like to do that. And he said, well, I wanted to have a little joke, but God just decided I was going to be the punchline. <laughs> and uh, and I remember that in so many countries, <laughs> my wife and I, we traveled to over 40 countries in ministry and you make mistakes in language, you make right. mistakes in customs and people mm-hmm. chuckle. And, and so sometime in this, ministry, if you can kind of just laugh at yourself, and yeah. you may not be able to pronounce and it may be a funny yeah. word or something. And, uh, and just to enjoy that intercultural experience. And oh, the Muslims awesome. love that too.
1: This is beautiful. And uh, um, no, again, it's, it's awesome. And I think that I asked the guests to just tell me a joke, because I think it's important for people to know we are human. So thank you so much for sharing that story. Maybe I will share that story one of these days with my congregation. (laughs) So this is good. So thank you so much for being on the show again. That was uh, Dr. Fred Farouk from uh, Global Initiative Reaching Muslim Peoples. And uh, thank you. To all our listeners, if you appreciate this podcast, please be sure to subscribe to the show and leave an honest review wherever you listen to our podcasts. Tune in next week for more honest discussions from Diverse Voices.
0: You've been listening to Our Urban Voices with Dr. Alphonse Javed, which presents Christian narratives through diverse voices that impact urban ministry. Please check back for new episodes every week.